Welcome to the big topic in women's MMA. Frank Posen here along with Schwan Humes. Don't forget to check out my blog at frank316.blogspot.com. And don't forget to check out my other podcast, Frank Posen's Big Bad Podcast. I did one just about an hour ago, so I'm doing a double dip today, Schwan. Man, hard worker, hardest worker in, in podcasting. Oh, keeps me off the streets. Okay, <laughs> so let's <laughs> well, it doesn't really. So let's uh, uh, I roll around in this power chair. They can't keep me off the streets. Anyway, um, uh, we had one fight on last Saturday's UFC show. The video is up on my blog. It was Ketlin Vieira over Shajara Eubanks by unanimous decision. Uh, this went about as what I as I thought it would. You know, I didn't think that there was any way that Sajara was going to be Ketlin if she's right. And and keep in mind that you know Ketlin had a bad loss in her last loss, and sometimes it's not the loss; it's how you recover from the loss. And uh, uh, also, her coach Andre Dudu Pedroneras of Nova Uniao was uh, not there because of COVID nineteen. Her inner corner was Bellator fighter Marcos Galvao. And so uh, the fight went pretty much as I thought. The only one thing I didn't like was Jason Herzog standing him up in the middle of the second round. So other than that, it went like I thought. What do you think? Well, I thought, I thought, it, I think pretty much like we thought, we said um, Ketlin's physicality, her uh, grappling, her, her wrestling and her grappling ability was going was gonna to essentially determine the fight. And that's what it was the takedowns, the ground control. Um, the ability to kind of control pace as a result of it were big factors in her pulling away from the fight and getting a clear decision. Um, what I will say is that Ketlin seemed I get I think the loss to Aldana struck a nerve with her because in this fight she was her jab she, she usually doesn't have much of a jab but she was very determined and disciplined with her jab and she, while she didn't double or triple it the way I wanted to she consistently pumped it out there and set up the right hand set up a couple kicks. By keeping Sajara at range, she was able to get the takedown a little bit easier than she would have. And uh, I, I, I noticed that improvement with her. The, uh, and then with her length, it maximized her length because Sajara couldn't get on the inside of her. Sajara might hit her with a one and a two, but Sajara could never get three, four, and five because the, the jab just kept her on the outside. The jab and the length of Ketlin Vera kept her on the outside. Well, Ketlin's a lot taller than her. Yeah. She said this earlier in the week that, you know, uh, she learned a lesson from that fight. Is that – that loss really, really cost her, okay? She was going to be in that main event that we're getting in a couple of days, okay? And if she won that fight, she'd be in that fight, right? But she admitted that she was overconfident and she messed up. And it doesn't end. It just shows you a loss does not end things for you if you learn from it. And she obviously learned from it. She seems like to me like a pretty sharp girl. Like, what do you think? Yeah. I really, I think, I think that's part of her doing better. A lot of fighters, when they lose, they're just like, well, I just, my co- my corner made a mistake or it was just luck or they hit me with a lucky shot or something. And when you say stuff like that, everybody says, well, it's no big deal. They're professionals. That's not necessarily the case. You have to admit that there was an error in what you were doing in your preparation or your skill development or your execution in the fight for you to get better. Because if she just stayed overconfident, then she would just come right back out again and do the similar thing. And while Sajar isn't a big enough hitter or a big enough fighter to really layer out in a similar fashion to what Aldana did, that fight would have been a lot more difficult. And she probably she possibly could have lost. That jab really allowed her to set things up and made the, made the fight a lot easier than it had to be. 
<coughs> excuse me. So I, I admire her for being, a, be a, being able to be that self-aware and then make the proper adjustments. Because we see a lot of fighters not have a jab, not have a ground game. They come out the next two, three fights, still not have a jab, still not have a ground game. There's not no mention, awareness. Not to <clears throat> mention that she took responsibility for that law. Yeah, yeah. She's very accountable, and that's not, that's not a prevalent, not just in sports, but in real life either, in, in the world right. outside of sports. Okay. Um, I did want to say one thing before we okay. moved on. I, I felt that Sajara Eubanks, I, now while I feel she has a hard cap on her physical ability, especially at Bantamweight, I feel she did a lot better. Her defense wasn't quite as fluid as I would have liked to be, but it was more, she was more defensively sound. Ketlin had to work to land the jab. She had to work to land the right hand. And um, Sajara was able to mix her defense and her counterpunching in a little bit better than usual because if she was still the same way she was two fights ago, I think Ketlin would have just overwhelmed her. And Ketlin was able to build up pressure and build momentum, but she was never, never able to completely run her over because Sajara would slip a shot, body head, slip a shot, stick a jab. She did just enough to not get overwhelmed and completely dominate it. And that is growth for her. And, and in that third round, she was there. She wasn't gassed like she usually is. She was still there. The only thing is she knew she was down two rounds because she was told that. And she needed to go for a finish. And to Ketlin, you know, that's why Ketlin played it safe in round three. Okay? Because she knew she, she knew she was up two rounds. So she didn't really have to, to go for a finish. It was up to uh, Sajara to go for a finish. And I'll give you the one thing I did not like in this fight. And that was Paul Felder's commentary in round three. And he did this because the guy who was in, it wasn't uh, Henry in her corner. It was one of his uh, coaches was in uh, uh, Sajara's corner. And the guy who happens to be a really good friend of Felder's. And you have to emphasize that she's down two rounds. She has to go for a finish. So it's not good enough what she's doing, really. Yeah, I, I think sometimes when you see a fighter and you and they, they've hit hard limits before, like, Cadelia gases, Dar Eubanks gases, or you see a matchup that's very uneven and you think some, somebody's just going to have their way completely like the uh, Zapatella-Cummins fight. When the, when the underdog performs better than you expect, then you give it undue, necess- you give it undue praise because you're like, hey, they shouldn't have been here. They should have been out the first round. They should have been dominated, but they're hanging in there. I don't, think he did that. I don't think he did that for that reason. I think he did that because the guy who's cornering her is, is his buddy. Yeah, it could be. I mean, it, it really could be, but it's just it's a trend I've noticed with people. They're like, oh, Cadelia did much better. Well, she just didn't yeah, get tired. I just think these commentators, I don't care who they are, have to stop doing stuff like that. Just commentate well, in a fight. It's, it, it's very hard to be unbiased, and to be quite frankly, if there's somebody who I think might I might have a bias to when I'm breaking something down, sometimes I just don't discuss the fight. I'll discuss the fight in, in generalities. I won't go into specifics because I feel like I, I'm going to lean towards this person because I know him or I'm friends with him. So that's going to blur whatever I have to say. So I might not comment on it, but like, ah, I ain't got nothing to say about that. Okay, let's talk about this Saturday because there's two uh, bantamweight fights on this show. And we can talk a little about Ket- how Ketlin fits into this this uh, uh, scenario. So the main event on this show is going to be Irene Aldana versus Holly Holm. And I'll tell you right now, my big concern about this fight is it's going to be a 25-minute snooze fest. It's just going to be awful. We know how these two fight. They're not aggressive fighters. Okay? Holly Holm is such a counterpuncher. It's just absurd. She just refuses to be aggressive. You know? It doesn't matter. 
If she hits the occasional head kick, people think she's great, but I, I don't agree with her. And Irina's no better. You know, so I, I, what are you expecting from this? I, I'm not happy with this fight. <laughs> well, the thing, the thing that uh, she's, she's Holly Holm, obviously, she's from Jackson Wink. And much like Michelle Waterson, she's someone who, who has a, a certain amount of athleticism, a certain amount of durability, a certain amount of physicality, and she's not high on skill. The part of the reason her fights are boring is because she's limited in her skill set. Everybody forgets. She was a boxing champion. That's right. She wasn't trained by a boxing coach. She was trained by a, a Kenpo Karate American kickboxing guy in Jet and Mike Winklejohn. That's she's right. She's not really a good. She's not a good technical boxer. A lot of people have outboxed her in MMA. She's not that great. She's got cardio. She's got volume, and she's got smart. That's what's been separating her. That's what she's really hung her hat on in later stages of her career to maximize the most of her athleticism. She's not trying to get in firefights. She's trying to wear people down. She's trying to frustrate them into making mistakes where her athleticism and her striking can take over the fight. She did it against – she tried to do it against Duran Durandami. It was a close fight, but her clinching attempts or takedown attempts had Durandami frustrated. That's why Durandami kept punching her after the bell. She was frustrated being held up against the cage and constantly had to fight out takedown defense. When, and it also took some of the sting off her punches. When she fought Megan Anderson, instead of trying to counter her, she knew Megan is long and aggressive. I'm just going to take her down. I'm going to frustrate her. I'm going to control her. I'm you know what? It's the only time in her career that she's done that. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, very, very much, she, very much against what she normally does. Oh, yeah. But they're, they're, they're trying to figure out concepts because the thing about Jackson Wink is they, they understand the game. They understand how the judges work. They understand how the rules work. And they play the game to maximize that and minimize the opportunities for their athletes to be tested on a technical level. It's just real conceptual, strategical things. And against Aldana, Aldana will get, Aldana will accept bad positions. Now she'll fight to get out of them, but she'll accept bad positions. She'll cover up and move back in a straight line. You can kick her to the legs, kick her to the body. If you go, go into clinches, she'll accept clinches. If you go for takedowns, to a degree, she'll accept them. She's been taken down by lesser fighters. Chukagian, um, Tanya Evanger. She's been taken down by a, a lot of people. So the, Jackson Wink knows this. So they know that if we get her a clinch, push her up against, against the cage, she'll accept that. Now, she might try to fight back out of it, but still, Holmes is the bigger, stronger, more experienced athletic person. And and as much as Aldana can be dangerous on the feet, she gets very hesitant. She gets very safety first, especially when yeah, you get to the heavy Yeah, this, this is to me, I mean, both of the fighters out of that camp that we're familiar with, which is her and Alexa Grasso, uh, it's the same thing. It's like they're not taught to be aggressive. Yeah, they don't, they don't, they don't fight consistently. They fight in spots. And when they fight in these spots, they're very – she fought Ketlin. She was, she was doing okay, but she had basically two, two big moments of offense, and that's what won it. Even against yeah. Betch Cohea, he finished her. That fight was a lot closer than it should have been. Betch could have had that fight if she didn't make a couple of mistakes. So, what I, so why it can be boring is because Holly Holm wants to be boring. She's going to take all her physical advantages. She's going to try to control the pace. And in spots, she's going to try to do her kicks, do her blitzes once she's worn – Aldana down a little bit, or once she's kind of got her looking for the clinch and looking for the takedown, then she'll open up with the strikes. And Aldana, I don't think her camp is high IQ enough, and I don't think Aldana has the characteristics necessary to take advantage of what home is doing, to, to expose home what you're doing. You have, you have to have a certain kind of counterpunching. You have to have a certain range of skills. Aldana doesn't really have any. You take her down, she's not really great off her back. She's not really a great wrestler. She's a good boxer when you we stay at range and kind of let her, her control the pace. But in a high-paced fight, when there's heavy exchanges – She'll cover up more than she'll swing back. She'll cover up, and after you get done, she'll swing back. Yeah. It's like it's all she has these holes that you can 
strategize for, and she never, she really hasn't moved off of him since she's gotten to the UFC. I favor Holly in this fight just because it's a style that she's can can work with, and I'm not sure that Irene can do that. You know. Yeah. And so I kind of my favor question. Holly, but my this is my number one concern about this fight. This is where I get concerned about women's MMA. Okay. I think it's going to be boring and a snooze fest, and everyone's going to complain about it. I don't like that. Yeah, I, I feel like I, I feel like it's the the onus is on Aldana to make it exciting. The same thing, same thing when it was against Raquel Pennington, same thing against Cyborg, same thing against Megan Anderson, same thing against Durand Aronimi, it, it, same thing against when Misha Tate fought Holly Holm. It's your job. It's the onus is on you. To force Holly Holm into the fight, the kind of fight that she does not want to be in. I don't think. I, mean, I don't blitz. think Irene can do that. She shouldn't be able to. If Holly Holm's chin is still there, because she's going to get clipped. Irene Aldana's a decent enough striker. She's got good enough hands and she's got good enough athleticism that she's going to clip Holly Holm. But from what I understand, Aldana's power, you can make mistakes against Aldana. She's she knocked out Ketlin, but that was like kind of freaky. She's never done that to anybody. Not to no. Caitlin Chukagan, Kohea. So if she doesn't have knockout power. That means she's got to force a pace. But in forcing a pace, she sets herself up for takedowns. She sets herself up for clinches because she doesn't have the full skill set. Her team's gotten her a little bit better, but they haven't addressed every single hole. And a lot of the weaknesses she has right now are the weaknesses she had two years ago and the weaknesses she had in uh, in Invicta. And against veteran fighters, she struggles. She struggles a lot. She struggled against Kohea, struggled against Evinger, and she struggled against Pennington. She always struggles against these more veteran, experienced fighters. And here she is facing another veteran, experienced fighter. So it's hard to see this not going her way. If, she, if it does, it's a huge upset because Holly Holm makes enough mistakes. But Aldana's not, not a good enough athlete, not a good enough technician. Okay, the, from what I've seen. in the other fight, we have uh, Jermaine Durandami versus Juliana Pena. I have to say, I think Juliana is the best of uh, these four fighters. So why isn't she in the main event? You know, and, and, uh, and uh, we'll just give her give a little background, first of all. As we all know, Juliana won tough 18 and uh, after she lost to Valentina Shevchenko which was her own stupid mistake um, she took off a couple of years because she got married uh, she moved to Chicago uh, her uh, husband is a uh, police officer and she also had a baby now when she trains she goes back to her home in Tacoma and trains at her home gym in Tacoma sick jitsu okay how much money does she make when she can afford this? Well, I don't know, but she's always done that. Like when she, I was surprised that she didn't go to a gym in Chicago. I, I imagine she trains in Chicago when she's not fighting, but when she goes into a fight camp, that's when she goes back to Tacoma because those are her boys, right? That's why she does it, yeah. you know. And and I, you know, there's no question she's a better fighter than Jermaine. Okay, Jermaine and. Other- Jermaine, have you noticed uh, her interviews all week? All she's been doing is fetching. Okay? She's been fetching about Amanda Nunez sitting on. Okay? She's been fetching about not being in the main event. Oh, they don't respect me. You know why? Because your fights suck. Okay? Hello? Yeah, I'm just listening. I'm letting you, letting okay. you talk. Her fights suck, okay? She's an elite kickboxer, but she's a terrible MMA fighter. She's awful, 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 you know? And, you know, I just, I hate watching her fights. It's just 
I, I just want I, I, I want Juliana to get her in an armbar around one and get it over with. You know, but and, and then she's been fetching. And then when she had the opportunity to fight Chris Cyborg, she oh I don't want it. Okay? Ridiculous behavior. She should have been released. Just outrageous. Anyway, she used to train in the US, but she now she moved back to the Netherlands. She works as a police officer and she trains at home now. Okay. She lit she uh, trained in San Francisco for several years. Um, but she did basically other than the kickboxing. She doesn't do anything, you know, and her fights yeah, are boring. Um, yeah, I, I have to, I mean, she's very limited in her skill set. Um, to, to be honest, I was surprised that she, as, as good as Amanda Nunes has been, Amanda Nunes took her down numerous times, and Amanda Nunes couldn't finish, not by ground and pound and not by submission. She, and, and she, she said that, afterwards that she was kind of off, okay? They always say that when they lose. They always no, say that no, 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 Amanda said that. I know, but they, they, I mean, like, I mean, not that when they lose, but when they have a bad performance, I was kind of off. When yeah. they knock somebody out one time, everything, they go, that, I, I can't believe that. All I'm saying is she took her down numerous times and she submitted better fighters than, than Jerrain Durandamy. Yeah. So Jerrain Durandamy has shown some improvement just for the fact that she was able to survive on the ground. That's an accomplishment to her. It's not a win, but it's a accomplishment. No, but, what she, but, but she couldn't get up. I, I understand that, but that, that makes it even worse. You couldn't even get up and hear this Brazilian jiu-jitsu Black belt and judo black belt couldn't couldn't finish you couldn't ground and pound you. You finish Holly Holm. You finish Misha Tate. You can't finish Durandamy, the worst grappler in the MMA. Wow. So she she improved. But this is the question I have with the, 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 this this um, fight. Juliana Pena. She's a smart fighter. Strategically, she's very smart. If something's not working, she'll transition into clinches. She'll get takedowns. She'll set a high pace if you're a better grappler to to wear you down. It, it's all strategical stuff. Technically, I don't feel like she's that great. Defensively, her striking defense. Has never been good. Her offense is predicated on her being bigger, stronger, and longer than Which most she's people. She's not in I've this. Seen her exactly. I've seen her. When she fought Nico Montagna, Nico, Nico Montagna put some hands on her. She wasn't able to get away from Nico's strikes. And there's been a lot of people who've, who've gotten to her on the feet. It's perfectly within the realm of possibility that Jerrain demanded me can do what she did to Aspen Lat, whether you think it was a quick stop or not, land a clean shot and wipe her clean out. It's possible. She rocked Amanda Nunes, and Nunes has the best chin. In women's MMA yeah. right now, I, I she, think she rocks her new Well, and I think I think it's the same I, way. I think, I think it's the same way Juliana was right. tough as team. She outsmarted all of them. Yeah, it, that, that's what it comes down to. She can outsmart them. It's just with Durandamy, with her power and her accuracy, and plus at thirty-five, her her takedown defense isn't great against the best athletes and the best takedown people. But against people who aren't great technically, her her takedown defense isn't bad at bantamweight because at bantamweight she's a lot physically stronger in her limp. And the danger of her, her counters make people hesitant. If Pena just comes in with raw aggression like she usually does, she, she could get belted and she, she, she could get finished. I've seen Pena get bullied by smaller fighters. I've seen her getting taken down by smaller fighters. The thing is, usually she's durable enough and she's, phys- she's mentally strong enough where she can start making adjustments. And after they've worn themselves out, she imposes her will on them. Again, Durandamy, anyone, anyone mistaken ended. Anyone mistaken ended. We know we've seen her drop Lad. We've seen her drop Nunes. We've seen her drop Home. She's she's dropped the sturdiest chins yeah. in MMA. And Pink is not a good. She's not good at entering into range for takedowns. She's very robotic. She's very stiff. She's fast, but she's still robotic. And there's stiff. only one. There's she only one her. thing. I think the reason she keeps going back to Sikjitsu is they're really good, and they're kind of really good with working with her and yeah i think i think, I, that's I think it's more fact. of a personal 
they get it's like a R- Rousey with Edmund. Yeah. He wasn't the best technical trainer, but he had a connection that got the best That's out of him. Right. But if you look at you look at Pena's record, she's never beaten somebody comparable to Holly Holm. I don't know that Pena's ever beaten someone com- com- comparable to Aspen Ladd. Jermaine Duranamy has the better wins if you look at their careers. And I know she's a veteran, but the fact is she's beaten better ta- she's beaten better talent. All the people that that Pena's beaten have been on losing streaks or much smaller than yeah. her. Check the, check the record. And, so, and but keep but, but but keep in mind as well, she took a break, so she she needed one fight to get back into it. I guess I I think she'll be okay. Who, who, so we got five fighters here, right? So we're not going to yeah. see an immediate title shot because Amanda's got to defend her featherweight title against um, uh, Megan Anderson. So then I want to ask you. I want to ask you a question. Go about ahead. That. I I have a theory. What's that? That because we talked about this before about uh, Nunes, you know, going back and forth between weight classes. Yeah. I believe that either A, she's going to outright drop the title, or B, she's going to take an extended break, and they might have to come up with an interim title, and whoever wins these next two fights could be fighting for the Bantamweight title in six, in six months, six to eight months. I don't know about that, but what I will say is that, uh, you know, there's going to be a fight between two of these fighters before there's going to be a title shot. So that may not be necessary. It depends on what Amanda wants to do after the fight. I mean, who can answer that question now? I, I think I think you made a very good point about dropping and moving up and weight. At some point, that that there's a there's a cost for doing business, and at some point, that's going to catch up to her. You're I, talking I feel, about Amanda, I honestly right? Feel it. Yes, moving up and down weight. I feel at some point that's going to catch her, and she's going to lose to a lesser this opponent. Is, this is exactly why I think that. Get rid of the featherweight belt at this point. It's just a waste of time to have two belts. Yeah, I would agree. All right. We have a third but, fight on this show. Okay. And that is, it's a lot lesser in quality. Okay. Comparatively speaking, it's at strawweight. It is Loma Lukabuni versus Jinyu Fry. Okay. So we're talking about two fighters here. It used to be. Adam Waits and Invicta. Okay. So, uh, uh, Fry was a champ down there, but she was having trouble making weight. So it's not surprising that she moved up to, um, straw weight. The problem with her, as we saw uh, in Invicta and also in her UFC debut against Kay Hansen, is that she just doesn't do enough and she does it deliberately. She's coached this way by her husband. It's like, she, we've talked about this before, where she's deliberately trying to do as little as possible to win fights. In this fight, I think she can kind of get away with it because Loma, she's a lot taller than Loma. Loma really shouldn't be fighting at straw weight. She's an atom weight. She's too small, in my opinion. Plus, she lacks the experience in MMA. She really probably should still be an Invicta. Okay? So, uh what do you think? I, I, see, I don't see a finish or anything here. I see it going three rounds, but I see uh, Jimmy Fry winning. Yeah, my take on it, is, and I don't, I don't necessarily have a problem with the way Jin Yu Fry's coach, she's coached that way for a reason. As a person who, spa, who sparred trained martial arts, when I, when I spar people, I, I haven't fought, but I just explained this to people. There's certain kinds of people. There's a, there's a physical guy. There's a power guy. There's a grinder guy. There's a pot shot person. She is more of a pot shot person. That's what I do. Because if you don't throw a lot of volume, it's hard to make a read 
it's hard to figure out when, when you're asserting your opponent, it's hard for them to figure out when they're asserting themselves and when they're walking into a trap. So instantly they lower their volume, they load up less on their shot, they, uh, they kind of bear down their selection of strikes because they're curious, they don't want to run into something. At one point, Jin Yu Fry was one of the better athletes. She's still probably one of the better athletes, even now. She's pretty quick. She's, she's fairly explosive. She's pretty strong. So when she's throwing these one shots at a time, it's a safety measure first. If I only throw so often, it's hard for you to find my rhythm. It's hard for you to get to me. It's hard for you to get in range and stay in range because I'm just, bam, with, whether I land clean or not, bam, I'm out. Bam, I'm out. I don't throw enough for you to, I don't throw enough for you to build on. So even if I lose, I never, take, I never take huge beatings. And for the most part in her fight, She's never really taken beatings when she's gotten when she's beaten, him, so she's really gotten blasted out. Yeah, well, she got blasted out of there the first shot she hit, but she didn't get beat up for five, six, seven, eight rounds. She does that as a as a as a defensive buffer, buffer because defensively she's lacking. So she lowers her volume and tries to be very accurate and efficient, figuring that I have enough athleticism that if they rush me, I can take them down, I can hold them against the fence, or I can get out of a bad spot and I can reassert control against of the fight and against a certain caliber of opponent. She's successful doing that against a higher caliber opponent or higher caliber of athlete. She has she struggles. She she struggles against Loma. Loma is a little bit smaller, but Loma is the more physical fighter, and Loma is the more durable fighter in my opinion. So she should have success because of her length and and the sharpness. But I I don't think I think Loma is the better striker. I think Loma can transition a little bit better than the average mixed martial art person and start chopping away at her legs and chopping away at her body. I don't know that Jin Yu Fry is good when you when you push back when she's dictating the pace. She's fine. Once it's on even ground, you start seeing the cracks in her, her armor. And when she starts taking some, you really start seeing them. I would favor her because of her experience, her athleticism, and, and her style. But te- technically, on the feet, she's way behind uh, Loma, and she's not as physical, and she's not yeah, as durable. I could agree with so that. I think, her size, I, I think her size helps her a lot here. Oh, it, it does. It, it, the, length, the length, even with somebody with good footwork, they have to, work, they have to get past her length. And now she has to take down to back it up. So she should out outclass her and out hustle her. But there's a good there's a chance she loses. And it, even if she wins, there's a chance it's not a very impressive. So have you ever heard the story about how Loma got into MMA? Uh, no, okay. sir. So as we all know, she's a tie fighter. She's second generation. She trained at her dad's gym. So she started uh, tie fighting when she was a, a teenager, right? So they start there when they're like 11, 12 years old, that sort of thing. So one day. She was at the gym, and who's in the gym but Caitlin Young, okay, who at the time was still uh, working for Invicta, and she moved to uh, Thailand. She had given up on it. She, was, she had retired. Now, she's gone back to it. She's actually moved back to Minnesota and opened a gym with her husband, okay? But at the time, she was in Thailand, and they were talking, and uh, Caitlin wanted to know if Loma was interested in MMA, and she said, sure, I wouldn't mind trying it. And that's how it all started. And that's how she ended up at Invicta. She's fought, she fought Invicta, and she also fought once in, uh, for Pancrase in Japan. So she's had mixed results. I mean, she got beat by uh, 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 Angela, Angela Hill last time around. And, um, yeah, you know, she so – That was just – I mean, that one size and athleticism. Yeah. If they were equal size, I don't think she'll win that fight. I think she really has to – she has to not depend on her striking as much and maybe start working on her ground game a little more. I know the guys she trains with are helping her with that, but it's a long – I don't even think – my opinion, she shouldn't be in the UFC. I don't think she's good enough yet to be in the UFC. So, to me, it's premature. I would prefer to see her at Invicta, where she can learn a lot more, 
you know, and, and that's my problem with her. Okay. Is that, I just think it's, I well, think it was pre they did it because, Oh, it's historic. Our very first fighter from Thailand. That's why they did it. Yeah. Um, I, I think, I think given her limited experience, and being being not having the all round skills presented to her early, she's done better than you could. Oh, expected. absolutely! I I agree um, with that. But she would be better if she'd stay in Invicta and have three, four more fights, and she would learn more from that than what she's doing here. Yeah, that's true. But that's that's true of almost ninety percent of the women in in the UFC right now. They all could use more experience at a lower level. But everybody wants to get in the UFC and possibly make more money and, and have a chance to build their platform. So after they stop fighting, you have former UFC fighter that carries more weight than former MMA uh, fighter. Yes. Like if you're a boxer, if you're, if, you're, if you're a boxer, it goes by your accomplishment, who you fought, who you beat, world titles. In MMA, it goes by where you fought. You could have a 52 and 10 record, but if you never fought in the UFC or Bellator, eh, you're not considered that great. Oh, I was, I was champion of Invicta. Yeah, like that matters. I was a 15th ranked fighter in the UFC. That's better than that. It's just a cachet. I, I just feel her, 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 her issue isn't the striking. Her issue is being able to blend blend the striking and the grappling because she's never going to, at this rate, late start, she's never going to develop a ground game comparable enough to match these girls who have done it for years and years have wrestling backgrounds. What she's got to do is blend the two and, rec- and be able to have her IQ where she can recognize the danger spots and recognize when she needs to bail, recognize when she needs to keep pushing. Right, right now she fights a very low IQ style, including, including wrestling and grappling. All she's got to do is raise her IQ. Oh, this is a danger spot? Uh, I'll land my knees, land my elbow, pivot out. I don't need to be in the spot. Oh, I'm up against the fence. I need to get out of this spot. She doesn't have any awareness. She has awareness striking. She has no awareness grappling. And the awareness will make a huge, huge improvement for her. Um, what's his name? Uh, Adesanya. He's not a great grappler. He's very aware of where he should be and where he shouldn't be, where he needs to scramble out of it, where he can rest at, where he needs to settle down the throw punches at, where he needs to dance away from the get out of range. It's awareness. She needs better awareness. And that comes from reps. She's not going to get that any other way except for reps. So she's got to do a lot of reps. Anyways, I think it's an uphill climb for her. Yeah. Yeah, it is. But I I feel the women's division is always uneven. So, you know, if she gets the right matchup, she can go into two or three, Mm. three, five wins. Isn't Ashley Yoder at at Strawweight? Sorry? Isn't Ashley Yoder at Strawweight? Souza at Strawweight? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. But, yeah. Silver? I mean, you. I'm not saying she doesn't be great, but she could go on a two to three win fight streak. She just has to have the right. You don't want to be low level all the time. Anyway, I got one other thing I want to cover here, and that's that on last Sunday's Ryzen show, okay, uh, Rena uh, beat uh, former Deep Jewels champ Emi Tomamatsu by unanimous decision. And after the fight, she announced that after, I guess, two more fights, she plans to retire. Okay, so are you familiar with Rena at all? Um, yeah, she, she, find, wait, maybe you, she had that one you fight in Bellator right? where she went to sleep. There you go, there you go. Yeah, she, uh, I know who she fought. I know you're talking about. No, King, not King, Rena? King Rena. This is Rena, R E N A. You're the king of the girl who's heavy. Okay, okay. Yeah. Okay, I know what you're Go ahead. okay. So, uh, yeah. she, so she's thinking. So she says she's going to retire after two more fights. Uh, she explained it a little further after the show. Uh, she really, really, really 
wants to fight Hamsel Keith for the championship. She'd get her ass kicked, but that's another story. And the other two, uh, the other fight, now one of them, I expect her to do kind of a retirement fight in shoot boxing. Okay, I'll get to that in a moment. But uh, her actual retirement fight in MMA, I expect will be an exhibition match against uh, Ayaka Hamasaki. And she trains with Ayaka Hamasaki. Okay, so she trains at AACC. So uh, Rina, uh, if you're not, uh, for those who are not familiar with her, Rina, her real name is Rina Kubota. She's from Osaka. Uh, when her coach retired, she moved to Tokyo, and now she trains with uh, Ayaka Hamasaki at AACC. So primarily, she's a shootboxer. Do you know what shootboxing is? Okay. Yes. The, the kid striking with the wrestling. I think Carlos Connor did it. Did yeah, it and what it was is that what it is is that there's no groundwork. You you can do submissions on the feet, but um, uh, if you take anybody to the ground, they stand you up. That's how it is. So it's mostly kickboxing, right? So pr- it's like like it's kind of like Sandra. Yeah, she's, right? she's, so, so she's mostly a kickboxer, and you know she's a star in Japan. Partially because of her looks, like mostly, <laughs> and um, you know, and it's mostly in shoot box. She's done. She done. She had done kickboxing as well. So by around 2015, she was thinking of retiring. Now, any interviews I ever saw her do, she didn't want to do MMA. But finally, uh, uh, Gabara, the rising owner, threw enough money at her that she agreed to do MMA, and. You know, she's had mixed success. The big problem with her is she doesn't really have a ground game to speak of, you know, and she's also somebody who's pretty small. She has no quickness. (laughs) If you get her down, she's staying down. And so, uh, you know, she was an okay fighter, but she's more celebrity than a fighter, really. If you've seen her, you know what I'm talking about. Like, she's really kawaii, if you know what I mean. You know, so mm-hmm. she says she's going to retire, but she said that before a few years ago, she said she was going to retire. So we'll see what she does. But uh, I just thought I'd bring that one up uh, just because I know some fans are familiar with it. She had the one fight in Belter. She actually got that back. She fought Lindsay Van Zant in uh, Ryzen and beat her. Okay, so. Well, that's a, that's a, that's a, pretty, that's a pretty decent win. That's yeah, you know, uh, she's an example of somebody who I think uh, uh, in Bellator, I think it was the only time she ever fought in a cage. And that may have been a problem. But also, she's been put to sleep before. Like Kanahasakura put her as Kanahasakura beat her twice. Okay, so uh, once she put her to sleep the other time, and you could see in the second fight, more so than the first fight, that Rena just didn't lack, didn't have the quickness to compete with her. And that's a big problem. Is she's just she's just too slow. Okay. Anyways, that's about it. You got anything else you want to talk about, or is that about it? Uh, as always, just let people know. Um, I my other podcast and hashtag the MMA Ratings Podcast. Feel free to check me out there. It's uh, more of my charm and wit. Okay, and I wanted to mention to you our our uh, our uh, um, numbers are really gone up in the last couple. of as far as the podcast is concerned. Oh, so really? uh, we're starting to kind of gain momentum in a small way. It's not that big of a deal. Anyway, if you want to watch any of the, if you want to watch it's any of the videos on my blog, frankp316.blogspot.com. My other podcast, 
Frank Posen's Big Bad Podcast. I don't only talk about women's MMA, but I talk about WWE as well. And sometimes AEW, it depends. Uh, if you have any questions or comments for my blog or either my podcast, you can leave them in Anchor's voicemail. If you'd like to subscribe to the podcast, you can do so at Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Enjoy the fights. We'll talk to you later.